Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. For those of you joining us for the first time, Bad Storytellers is a podcast about a small group of amateur writers who submit and critique each other's work as well as discuss the written media we consume. It's like a book club but with a wider focus. Our group submissions are shared on our website, badstorytellers.com, and you can download them there if you'd like to read along with us. Additionally, we also accept your submissions for critique. If you would like some feedback with the same candor that we give each other, send in your submission to badstorytellers at gmail.com. Entries must be 10 pages or less. Additionally, at the end of each show, we roll the dice, pick three genres, and come up with a movie idea. Once we decide upon a name, we record the trailer for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bad Storytellers. I am your host, Josh LaForge, and with me today is Liam Malone. Great minds. (laughs) Max Wessel. Sorry. And Doug Banks. Hello. This is going to be a little different. We are launching a new podcast coming up. It may have already launched by the time you guys hear this. I'm hoping it already launched. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, It's called RPG from Scratch where the four of us call ourselves the homebrew hombres and come up with our own tabletop game and uh, play test it. So in honor of that, instead of creating a trailer at the end of this, we're going to roll the dice and create a setting for an RPG that we – do a little bit of light world building, and you guys can hear us uh, talk about it. It's going to be hardcore. That's a joke that no one gets. <laughs> yeah, nobody will get. Congratulations! That joke until Max. episode six. Oh my this goodness! This is bad storytellers, not bad joke tellers. <laughs> it is definitely both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what have you guys consumed? I got a new favorite show. It's Here. called Great Minds with Dan Harmon, and it's just the whole story is. I don't know if you listened to Harmontown. His podcast? No. He has a podcast called Harmontown, and he plays Dungeons and Dragons with a guy named Spencer. And Spencer is his dungeon master. And when he went on tour, he brought his dungeon master with him. And Spencer's kind of this cool, nerdy character. It's a lot, that it's I a lot like. better than a hype man. I yeah. Think. I oh, think no. It's a lot more useful. Bringing your own dungeon master is, is a thing. Um, so the story is. Who shall master my dungeon whilst I am gone? So the story is this guy, Spencer, invented a time machine where he brings people from the past to go hang out with Dan Harmon. And it was like. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, what hey, is it, what is this on? It's on the History Channel. Okay, and one of them was Edie Amin, one of them was uh, Hemingway, one of them was Edgar Allan Poe, and they just make terrible pop culture jokes. How horrified they would be at just reality currently. I feel like I'm gonna have to binge this. Oh, I right. did. That's as as soon as I did it, I binged yeah. all of them. I just love. They're 15 minutes long. They're perfect. Great comedians play out all the parts. Ron Funches as Edie Amin. Yeah, Ron Funches Ron is Edie Amin. It's so favorite. good. Another thing I watched was uh, this like high school coming of age story called Ashby, where um, Mickey Rourke is an assassin, and he befriends a, a neighbor next door, and then they kill people. It's a pretty good movie. I liked it Sounds enough. Sounds fun. Sounds like the Matador. <clears throat> yeah, or yeah. the professional. Yeah. Only funnier. Kind of, yeah, well, the Matador is a comedy. Um, and the other Gross thing I watched. Blank. Mm. You're you happy now? You just talking over me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one, uh, the other uh, another movie I watched was ACOD, Adult Children of Divorce, and it's just about a middle aged man dealing with his divorced parents as his younger brother's getting married and they can't be in the same room together and he's trying to negotiate this wedding that they're going to have. That sounds way too close to real reality problems, dude. It gets it starts out so real and then it gets fucking insane and I really really liked it. Oh, I can't wait to see Clark it Duke is in it. And anything that Clark Duke is in, I'm kind of already happy. I can on board get down with. with some Clark Duke. I like Clark Even Duke. You know Steve's on, but I don't know who any of those people is, but the name Clark Duke sounds really it is fun totally to say. rad. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Hot Tub Time Machine franchise? I've seen commercials for it. He's the youngest the youngest guy. Have you ever seen Sex Drive? No, although I have a friend who was in it. Clark Duke is in that. <laughs> you can see our dicks from space. You can't. That's not. Am I am I wrong in that, Doug? Did our did our good friend? No. Oh no, he was in it. He was in it. He, he put a he put a dildo on a donut. Yes, he did. 
in that movie. Oh, good. Okay. That man's name is Matt Ramsey. I don't want to leave him out. <laughs> yeah. He's an excellent actor. If Shout you are, out to Matt Ramsey. If you are a pr- producer or a casting agent, um, I highly recommend him. He is a ball to work with. You will not be disappointed. Not he, at all. He hugs real good. Yeah, he's a good hugger. And he can grow and a, mean good, and a good And a good handshaker and a hand kisser because he learned that uh, he played Prince Charming. He a, a Prince Disney Charming prince, yeah. in uh, Disney World. Do you get to choose? He's my Prince Charming. Or is it like random? What do you mean, which hand? If no, it's like, a hug or a, a hug, handshake or a, a hand kiss. kiss. I think it depends on who you are. Okay, good. I got a hug. Yeah. I like a nice handshake. And I and I bought ecstasy from him in a movie. It was yes. pretty cool. <laughs> I was like, well, this narrative is going. <laughs> so he's an actor who sells ecstasy. Hey, producers, get him in on a movie. movie. No, it was a movie. <laughs> yeah, it was a movie. Producers like Coke. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're not Pepsi people, huh? No. Okay. Yeah, they're more, as I say, they're more Diet Coke these days. Well, the Coke, Coke is its own diet in a way. <laughs> well, they're... <laughs> They're baby boomers mostly. They're not the Pepsi generation. Although that makes sense. some of the Pepsi generation is moving into producing roles now. Yeah, you know that the, the Pepsi generation isn't isn't a real generation or generation next. I think that's what we're calling it after for a while. Uh, so let's move on. <laughs> so anything else you consumed? Um, Pepsi? No, I, I played a lot of music and went to a bunch of parties. What about you, Max? I am trying to finish Game of Thrones. Uh, the wife and I are powering through that. It's pretty dope. I love when I love when you call her the wife because mm-hmm. it's not like it's she's not sh- she's not your wife. Yeah, she's, she's the, the wife. wife. Mm-hmm. So it, she's a universal wife, embodiment of what a wife. Right. So be. when you say the wife, it's like it's she's a resource. That's w- what a coincidence. I've been hanging out with the wife too. It's true. <laughs> she didn't mention you. I don't know what the deal yeah. is with that. It's not. It, they're all aspects of the same thing. I think it's really true. Is. Oh, I started watching The Wire today on a whim and. I have that. I haven't watched it. I'm addicted to it so far. People say that like after season like three or five. I'm so tired of that shit where people are like, it was going to get better. Well, no, it but they, be they good like, in the first season. They picked like a specific one. They're like, after mm-hmm. this season, it becomes the best show ever. The first season has me pretty hooked. So Cool. So maybe you're in for a surprise. Way better than that uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, man. I'm I'm still with you. I'm on I'm on season, I'm almost done with season four. And it's I just my beef so with Deep Space Nine. They had that civil war that was going to happen, right? And then like four episodes deep into the season, they don't even talk about it anymore. They're like, "We're going to arrest you, and it'll come to a trial." And They'll he's talk like, about it'll it be a great later. trial. Like that was something that should have been dealt with immediately. That was a an overthrow of the government. And they're like, "We're going to let the courts handle it." I think everyone is tired of us here talking about Deep Space Nine and Jurassic World. I think we're going to retire them. We're retiring them right now. I, I think I think we've talked about Deep Space Nine way more than Jurassic World, but That's I'm true. tired of hearing about Jurassic World because yeah. I I know you people, you I know you guys outside you of people. this podcast. I'm yeah. you people. Well, no, you and Doug specifically. Yeah, I let's take a vow. A vow? No, no, blow. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Get the knives. <laughs> we're gonna cut ourselves, and we're not gonna talk about Jurassic World anymore. I might see it, and then I'll talk about it. Oh, I reserve that I right. I don't want to. Anything else? Not really. Just been writing. Cool. Haven't watched too much. Well, we're going to talk about your writing. Cool. Doug, what about you, man? I downloaded Inigo uh, for Skyrim. He's <laughs> a completely, Skyrim. Yeah, it completely pulled me back into Skyrim, and now I'm doing all the DLC that I never did back in the day. I'm doing Dawnguard, I'm doing Dragonborn, and it's all with Inigo, so everything's new to him, and it's new to me, so it's it's a lot of fun. It's new to him. <laughs> Okay. Other than that, um, I've been reading, uh, I've been trying to read more books about writing specifically for television, uh, because another project I'm working on with Nerdy Show is Lightning Dogs. And I can't go into details about what I have written for Lightning Dogs, because that's what the show Lightning Dogs is for. What is Lightning Me- Dogs? Yeah, explain. So, so, mm-hmm. so Liam and Max don't know what Lightning Dogs is. Okay, Lightning Dogs is an idea that was sparked on a regular episode of Nerdy Show as a joke, and it spun out of control, became its own idea. What it is now and what we're trying to make it, we're trying to make it a uh, cartoon show that can be enjoyed by children and adults on the same level as, say, Legend of Korra. So it, the, the premise... The, the premise, Thundercats. Yeah, the, well, the, no, it's not Thunder... <laughs> the, the joke was that it was the opposite of Thundercats. Exactly. But what it is now is... Um, but what it actually is now is m- more original. It is a group of anthropomorphic dogs from another planet called Domus who uh, show up on Earth in search of the uh, what they refer to as the Masters, which are humans that accidentally left them behind like 2,000 years ago. And they want to know what happened to humans when they get to Earth. Uh, they it's, see that the world the ultimate is... ultimate dog, like yeah. pet dog sob story. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, your, your dog ran across the country to get home. 
Mine went through the galaxy, yo. <laughs> yeah, these 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 ones evolved on their own to get intelligent and everything. They get to Earth and it's been destroyed. It's a wasteland, and they're trying to figure out what happened while fighting off the weird uh, yet hauntingly sexy Glampire, which is their main menace, their main villain. Uh, which is a sort of androgynous David Bowie kind of uh, elf-like, vampire-like enemy with uh, mystical powers. And in the first episode, they become the lightning dogs because the machine that sent them there uh, explodes and it gives them uh, all these crazy superpowers. Uh So that other podcast, are they prettier than us or what? Uh, I wouldn't say prettier, but I would say it is definitely more uh, free-spirited creativeness. Well, of course. Cap's got this magnetism that I just cannot place. Well, it's the Kavorka. Place it on him. Uh, well, yeah, without going into too much detail, I would no, I, so, I would sorry, literally I meant, talk I meant, for another hour about it. Like consumed his books about. Um, yeah, um, specifically one in particular was was this book called Elephant Bucks, which is actually more about TV comedy sitcom writing. Um, oh, although I'm enjoying that. it, I feel it's a little outdated, but it's still got some interesting stuff in there. Um, but um, if anyone can recommend any television writing books other than like one specifically for comedy, uh, I'm interested and I'm gonna try and read them. Cool. Uh, as for me, I haven't really consumed a whole lot. I, I also don't have a submission this week because my life went haywire for a little bit. <laughs> so I rewatched Children of Men. Uh, of course you did. With my mom. Ooh. And she liked it a lot. It's a good movie. It's, I'm convinced that in maybe 50 years' time, it might take the number one film spot from The Godfather or Citizen Kane or Seven Samurai, whichever one is first you know, is this why year. you asked what what you what, what you asked on Facebook? Hey, name the best hero in cinema. Yes, I maintain. Uh, I stick with mine. Me too. See, I don't know because when when I think of heroism, it's almost like there's something innate within somebody, and it's not them over- overcoming themselves as much as it is like, oh God, this needs to happen, and there's nobody else here that's going to do it. I'm going to do it, and that lady, I think her name is like Marika or whatever. In that movie, she doesn't speak any English. You never know what she's saying, but the moment that Sid sees the baby, she's like, she she sees a baby and she pushes her own dog away from it. She's like, go away. And then she sees <laughs> that the other guy's there. She's like, oh no! And she starts hitting him. She's like, bad, bad man, bad man. And he has a gun. And the, the second she gets the opportunity, she beats him over the head with a rod, like a rod. I mean, she's she gets them to a boat. Like, yeah. if you guys she's haven't seen baby. this movie, it's amazing. But uh, yeah, she's she basically the the moment. That she could do something good for somebody, she risked her life to do it. <laughs> it was- Has anyone on this podcast not seen this movie? No, I've no. seen it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Mine was pre Serenity Valley, Malcolm Reynolds. Really? Yeah. Mine was greatest of, of all. Greatest of all cinema. Yeah. No, most heroic. Most heroic. Not bravest. Well, I, well, I, yeah, most heroic. But like, the, uh, I don't know if you saw my uh, pitch there, Josh. But it was um, Idris Elba in Prometheus. He's pretty good. I but because I would actually because, put I would actually put the the main character in Prometheus ahead of him, that lady. Maybe because she was more reluctantly in that situation towards the end, whereas Idris Elba was like, "Hey, as soon as this thing goes bad, I'm not letting it get to Earth, no matter the cost." Like, yeah. like he he drew a line in the sand, <clears throat> and then as soon as it's like, "All right, let's take off," alien ship takes off, he's like, "Fuck no!" And like just immediately made that decision. He's like, "Anyone wants to leave, leave now because I'm doing it." Like there, you could not. There was nothing you could do to talk him out of it. What yeah. about the Queen and the Alien? films no she's just trying to spread her family single mom oh and she's so mean to her at the end what she, she called mm-hmm. her names and stuff yeah that was uncalled for so let's talk about our writing <laughs> hooray yay <laughs> so i got two submissions this week one from liam one from max and let's they're both two pages roughly yeah let's talk about liam's first okay um going back to goblin pi because i'm just taking a i'm not taking a break from fox and the ox i'm just i just started sitting down in describing just the subcontinent like culture and i'm like that thing is like three pages long now but i'm not done with it yet as soon as that's done i'm just gonna bring that in and it's just describing how things work mechanically Mm -hmm. so i know what's going on so you Um, pulled a max i'm gonna pull a max yeah totally um give me give me a good tug gonna just pull on pull on some max so instead um this is something i just like kind of wrote up in the last two days because uh there was a bitchin barbecue on sunday and I'm I'm just looking for the goblin's voice in Goblin PI. I need to figure out who, because if everything's going to be in his first person, his tone is super important. And I f- think this is the closest I've gotten to it, because I don't want him to be too cliche and like oh, I'm so gruff. I, it's too much. 
But I also I want him to be more um, just disinterested in everything. He's like, I just I'm just gonna do my job. I don't care anymore. Cool. I mean, I I thought it was good, especially once the lady actually shows up. I had a real hard time understanding who I was, whose voice I was hearing. Like not not because the voice wasn't consistent, but because I just I didn't know where no, we were. Was? All right. I didn't know where we were until three quarters down the first page. And I think you could handle that in the first paragraph. You know, you start with his voice, and it's like, and you you say like, yeah, that's the kind of you know the kind of stuff I am. Me, a goblin detective. You know, okay. This, you know what I mean? Like where he views himself a little ironically. You know, but he could refer to himself that way. All right. I think that would help. That would have helped me a whole lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to do this, because I didn't when he's like, uh, I didn't realize I, f- I forgot which one was Bowman, and I wasn't sure who stood up between the two of them uh-huh. because when. It starts I, – I don't know. I, was, I wasn't sure. He says something about his height, but you don't m- mention that he's an orc at that point. I don't know. It's Like I said, I just didn't have enough context while I was reading it. OK. I was going to say I, I was going to say I like the way you're building Bowman as a mm-hmm. separate entity from – Yeah. Yeah. Very laconic. Mm-hmm. Then, Watson-esque if, if yeah. Watson was um, uh, six foot eight. And an orc. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean he already was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was. In the original manuscript. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the, the editors made him change. But it was just a really racist term. That uh, <laughs> it was terrible. What? Yeah, they prefer Urukai. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I'd say um, I can see what you mean by like trying to find his voice because it his voice felt a little inconsistent with me. An example would be he says, "Oh, you know," he makes these observations like, uh, "You know, with these elves, you know, the girl with the pointy ears. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. I don't really know how old she was. It was really like this." And then, like a couple sentences later, he's like, "Well, I know how to find out how old she is, and she's this old." So I was like, well, "Wait, do yeah. you?" You know, he's at one hand he's saying, ah, it's really dismissive. Like they all look alike. They all look like the same age. They could be twenty or fifty. I don't fucking know, but I do know. And she was this. So like, you know, if if it's just sort of one or the other, like I I think what would be like the most inter- like what would interest me the most is if he says, oh, most people look at elves and they can't tell the difference if you're twenty or fifty. But I know this one's fifty, trying to look twenty because because of the wrinkles behind her ears, you know, or something like something that you can make yeah. up that would and, sound and, really and, really cool. And if you make it feel like more like he's having a conversation with a person if you made it feel like he's actually talking to you in the sense that like you want to know how i know this is my little trick i'll let you in on the secret that kind of thing yeah yeah because he can be really observant without being interested like you know you want him to be very dismissive but he can still say things offhand of just like Oh, clearly she's trying to get my attention. I've heard this a million times. Look at her already. She's got this. She's got this. Man, all right, let's just get to the bottom of it, right? Like, let's just let's just go through the dance, you know, whatever. And he can still be disinterested but give us his point of view of how smart he is without making him sound kind of, like, schizophrenic in terms – well, I shouldn't say schizophrenic, but contradictory where he's like, I don't know, but wait, I do know. And then, like, all the other little things that, to me, were an opportunity for him to – show off his prowess like when he says bowman stands up and he's just like uh he's over six foot exactly how much i don't really know i'm like dude he's your partner like you 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 would know like off the top of your head just by looking at him like oh no dude i'm an experienced detective he's six foot and a half even though when he's wearing his boots like he is now he looks taller you know like one thing like that can just really separate from me at least like his nail down his point of view because when he says well he looks like this but normally he's like this it, like that can also come off as dismissive it doesn't have to be like mm-hmm. him caring about every single thing and the uh, the only other thing was this back and forth between she comes in well the old the, all right i lied there's two things the one thing is that she's knocks on the door she goes are you guys the detectives and i'm like is there a sign on the door you know like she should yeah. know mm-hmm. um but other no, than that um, no we got two <laughs> grizzled receptionists well because well, the, well because well, I no, didn't, that would be well, a great line no we just had two grizzled receptionists would be funny no the real detective isn't here we're the two receptionists like that's funny I, and that that's because i didn't know where they were like were they you know were they in a bar and this happened like i didn't get like that she was coming to their office at first but then it, then i understood but the other thing was um she goes back and forth like as soon as she comes in she goes i need to talk about your rates and they're like well we gotta talk about your case and she's like no i'd rather discuss the rates and they're like well we need to know your case before we can discuss the rates and then Bowman's like, yeah, because if the scope of the case is like this, then, you it's, know, it's the, too, the price yeah. is different. And then the and then uh, the, your goblin PI is like, well, what my partner means to say is that I can't give you a rate until I know how much work it's going to be. I'm like, dude, I get it. Like, I like he literally just said that you're like, yeah, repeating it. The point. yeah like it would it would be it would be cool if he says, oh, well, like she comes in. I'd like to discuss the rates. And Bowman immediately, if he's hitting on her, is like, oh, well, darling, we can't discuss the rates till we know what the scope of it is. And then the PI can just cut to the second half of his line where he's like, or what kind of folk we have to deal with. 
you know, so it's like clearly the size of it's not mattering to him. He wants to know what kind of asshole is he dealing with? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so even that can tell me what's our detective really concerned about and versus whatever. And then you would skip right to the point. So, you know, but other than that, man, no, I'm digging the world. I'm digging the, the whole, you're trying to put the twist on like, you know, the girl coming in and you know, he's already two steps ahead of her. He already knows, he kind of already knows the deal. I'm, I'm really anxious to see where it goes because the whole fantasy setting mixed with this noir is totally interesting to me, of course. So, yeah, keep it up. I'm excited to see the de- deterioration of his psyche. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, ooh, you know, we're going to be respectable detectives. I'm very defensive about everything. Yeah. No. And he's like, we're going to get, you know, people are going to know about us. And then he's like, I know in the future that's not what he's looking for. Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I like it. I just had difficulty reading it for problems that I might have had. <laughs> I might not have had those problems if there were two paragraphs ahead of it or something else was peppered in it. Um, but I dig it. I want more. Let's talk about Max's. All right. What'd you bring in? I brought in a piece I'm working on called The Order Militant. It was inspired by a Bob Ross painting. I was watching. <laughs> I, after having read that? Yeah. I don't believe you. <laughs> no. Okay. So there's a Bob Ross painting, The Edge. It's called like The Edge of the Forest or The Edge of the Woods. And I was watching it. And he paints. There's a part where he gets. He's trying to do the light coming through the trees. So it's green. And there's like these small like monoliths that are just there and i just had a vision of like it looked like world war one to me with like a mustard gas attack and i just had like the image of a guy like down against the fence with like the gas choking him and just like a battle angel like be like nah it's cool raise you back up and then Mm. i got the story of this guy who will join a fight between like good and evil but like where it's not objectively good or evil each person has a scale that they are on so like an evil person can't kill an evil person. And a good person can't kill a good person. What? You mean like physically can't? Well, just like, yeah, they're just not, they wouldn't. So you're going to go through an operation. Like if he's going on a mission later on and he needs to kill a guard, but the guard is good, he can't. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because he's, yeah. he has powers now. Yeah. If this person is pure of heart, he can't hurt him. Yeah, exactly. Does, gotcha. how, does he know it until yeah, he tries? You're going to be able to see. It's going to be he. Like he reads I his put aura it is or they, whatever. They have a. You guys like, know what the like Kashuk memory is? No. no. I thought it's you were going like, to say like a meter over their head. Yeah, no. Everyone <laughs> will. He'll have that. Oh, okay. But a Kashuk memory, like it's a. I don't know if it's Tibetan or what, but it's just all knowledge is stored in a library that's accessible to the mind. So he's going to have the experiences of all the angels and everything accessible but not instantly so like it's something he would actually have to think about but if he wants to find information that's something he can access it's kind of like the if you had a chip for the internet in your head yeah but it's just the memories of everyone it's not straight answers it's memories okay i just got the inspiration for that and i decided to start writing and that's a mind dump of what i got see i thought this was related to the um the story that you were going to tell and i was like oh interesting that he's going to europe now and they're still called Germans, you know. Like mm-hmm. this is a this is interesting. So a lot of the feedback I was going to give you was, "What are you doing?" Oh, well, no, no, it was just it was just in like re- relation to that story. To that story. No, this was a separate okay thing that was inspired. So I just wrote it real quick and yeah, it's good. I mean, I I, I I like the uh, descriptions of the shells landing and how it how they know immediately that it's a chlorine gas shell. When he's talking about his mask, I'm like, like, is he like a courier for a ceremonial mask across mm-hmm. borders? Like, what does it mean? I'm like, oh, never mind, his gas mask. Yep. Like, I get it. I get it. I don't know. I dug it. It's written well. Thank you. Yeah, I was doing some weird research, like morphine use in World War One and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Could be an interesting as you want to do. Well, yeah, yeah. It just coincided with writing this time. Like, I need a time machine and a drug dealer. I I can supply you with one of those. I was gonna say we. <laughs> Oh shit! Do a fifty-fifty shot, man. I got a time machine. <laughs> We've discussed the morphine before. It's not something I would uh, want to write out. How about. long does it take somebody to die from like mustard gas? Because this guy carried on for a while and actually started to fight pretty well until sounded, you know. In in this story, it sounded like literally five seconds worth of combat. Yeah, it wasn't very long. He he was kind of the the morphine would counteract. You know what I mean? Like we were talking about the morphine the puts out. away other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, just because the, the reason why it felt long to me was because he's laying there, he breathes it in, it's already burning him, 
Then the guy jumps into the trench. He sees mm-hmm. him kill like five people. Then he gets the strength to get up, still breathing the gas. Then jumps on him, fights him, fights him, fights him, stabs him 15 times, then collapses. And I'm like, that seems like a long time, but you know. But that's really my only question. And like, I, I, think I, it did, I liked everything about it. I think it took a it. while. Yeah, because th- chlorine gas, you're either going to be dying from, from being poisoned by it or suffocating from it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not a it's not a quick death. It's yeah. I think it's one of the reasons I just that mustard know. gas is now completely forbidden. Mm-hmm. You know, for use in war because it's just horrifying. You choke. so bad, and the way it creeps in is just yeah a cool thing. I, I like I like the way you described the way the guy would like size up everybody before he killed them, and this is before the context you just gave about oh, reading yeah. people's auras. Because at first I was just sort of like. Oh man, like this is really interesting. Why is he doing that? Like, is he like what, is he is he looking for somebody in particular? Like, you know, but like that piqued my interest so much already. And now knowing what you told me, I'm even more interested. So I I, I really dig it. Want to see where you would take it? Um, Thank you. And I want to try to avoid the allies or the good guys, other guys or the bad guys kind of thing to show that there's yeah. Well, World War One. I. I mean, yeah. there's no good guys. There's Extreme no bad, bad guys. guys on every side. Yeah. You know? It's just oh, if we don't do this horrible thing we may not be a country anymore <laughs> you know like that's is is horrible world war I, one I, is a quagmire I, I feel like most of my critiques of whenever i'm discussing anything max writes is like this is great world building i just want to see a character thing happen whereas i feel like this is like one of the first times i'm just like dude i want to know like just this is great i like you everything i need to know about this guy to get me interested in where this is going is just in here like i he's just the situation of him dying, but giving this other chance, clearly there's kind of magic in play or whatever. I feel like this is, you not only have set up, you've started to set up a world, but you already haven't explained everything about how it works. It's just enough to keep me interested and I wanted to keep reading. So that's like, thank you. That's progression. It's like, I'm learning. <laughs> well, it just didn't feel like a brain dump. It felt like you were, you know, I know it felt yeah. like the actual beginning I'm of the story. thinking about the characters as they're brain dump now. Yeah. yeah. But it's awesome. Well, that's though. good. Appreciate it. Well, that's all the critique we had about our own work. We moved through that part pretty quick. Let's do the fun stuff. D and D is good for me. Are we going to do three? Yeah, why not? Yeah, screw it. All right, so I've got the. Do I have them here? No. You got the new list. New list of genres. You said yeah, I got it right here. Okay, so we're going to roll the dice. We want to do three. We want to do three. Yeah, three. We're going to roll the dice three times to get three genres, and this this will be the kind of campaign that we will world build in. Liam, go first. All right, let's do this. We got 48. 48. Counterfactual history. All right. This is this is a bad storyteller genre if I've ever heard of it. <laughs> Referred to as virtual history, it is a recent form of historiography which attempts to answer what-if questions known as counterfactuals. It seeks to explore history and historical incidents by means of extrapolating a timeline in which certain key historical events did not happen or had outcome which was different from that which did in fact occur. The process of this exercise is to ascertain the relative importance of the event, incident, or person the counterfactual hypothesis is negating. Have you guys, Have I told you guys I really like uh, Herod Sotodov? Yeah. He does yeah. alternate history. I was going to say. Yeah, I, think uh, I don't know if I've mentioned him before. You've mentioned him at least once. Should we decide the event before we keep rolling? No. No. All right. Uh, Max next? Max next. I think we should uh, pick a list of events and roll the die. <laughs> no. Six, right? Or nine? Nine. Nine? nine? Okay. Double O nine. Comedy of manners. <laughs> this sounds. This already is sounding pretty great. <laughs> a film satirizes the manners and affectations of a social class, often represented by stock characters. The plot of the comedy is often concerned with an illicit love affair or some other scandal, but is generally less important than its witty dialogue. PG Wodehouse. <laughs> All right, give it up for Josh the Forge, everyone. All right, up last, for the rolling. Last genre. Josh. Sixty-one. Sixty-nine. No. Magical realism. Ooh. <clears throat> also called magic realism, is literary works where magical events form part of ordinary life. The reader is forced to accept that abnormal events such as levitation, telekinesis, and talking with the dead take place in the real world. The writer does not invent a new world or describes in great detail new creatures, as is usual in fantasy. My thing is, someone is sexing the dead, and that's like against the manners of having being able to talk to the dead. Well, why don't we uh, with, choose an event... That we change the outcome of that makes magic real. Tesla? 
Nikola Tesla, that's a good one. Um, there's the burning of the Library of Alexandria. That's done a lot. Our friend Adam wrote a whole book about what would happen if... See the library. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, I know. What, 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 what alternate thing would happen that would cause magic or talking to the dead to be real? The druids never die. Yeah, there's just druids. Oh, sorry, not druids. The beaker people. The ones who, who, built the, who built the henge. The big one. The Stonehenge? Yeah. There's a really the good... Stone. It's a two-part book series. It's about um, Alexander the Great not dying. And he establishes an empire through the Middle East that require that uh, keeps Europe from rising. It's pretty okay. interesting. So, like, Middle East and African countries take America and South America. What if it's more recent? What if it is, America completes the superconducting super collider that we were going to complete in the nineties? That is had something like. Let me let me look up the stats on this thing real quick. What so we just say? Guys get an idea. Like when the first run through CERN actually. Does all the bad I, I was only I was only thinking of, of like the past. Like, what if Ponce de Leon actually found the Fountain of Youth, and the reason why it was a Fountain of Youth was that it was actually had magical properties. But then you could dissolve the magical properties and be able to apply them to different things. This way, by the time you get to like the Victorian era, where there's a definite you know class system sort of involved of ethics and morality and manners and stuff, magic is already commonplace by that point. Houdini being convinced that you yeah. could talk to the dead. Like fish called Wanda with Mitchell and Webb in Victorian England with magic. Ooh, fish called Wanda. Okay, so so basically you guys are all aware of the Large Hadron Collider that yes. discovered the, the existence of the Higgs boson, or rather confirmed that the Higgs boson was a thing. 20 years ago, America was slated to complete a superconducting super collider that was – it had a length of 54 miles. Holy crap. It was way bigger than the one underneath Geneva. And Congress killed it because they thought it was too uh, expensive. Too expensive to do awesome stuff? Yes. Just like the space shuttle. So this yeah, just okay. makes... Yeah, okay, so this thing would have been able to collide particles at five times the energy of the Large Hadron Collider. What the fuck? I like what you're saying, but what if New Coke had, um, <laughs> over time, gave people <laughs> magical powers? Crystal and that, was, and that yeah. was the new generation? <laughs> Like, they let it go on for 20 years. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And this over time, it builds up and people are starting to talk to the dead. That's, yeah, you know, that's a valid one too. I think we can. <laughs> I like Hadron Collider. I like Hadron Collider. No, that, it's the superconducting super, super collider. Josh, this is our first year of getting to know each other, and I, I'm starting to realize you're like, mm hmm, okay. <laughs> fuck no. Absolutely no. Not gonna happen. What did you fucking expect with new Coke? <laughs> I know. But I just mean in general, it's great to see him like, hmm, okay. I know how to deal with you now. Yeah, I'm compartmentalizing. It's fine. My new one is, that is an interesting idea. <laughs> Use that with your kid a lot. <laughs> no, he doesn't really talk too much yet. Yeah. Oh, I will though. Yeah. Like, wow, that's a fascinating way of putting it. But here's something that isn't really fucking stupid. Olive Garden for dinner. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. You could choose not to eat your broccoli, yeah. I suppose. However. However. Why don't you eat your broccoli instead and be healthy and not uh, make me liable for malnutrition? What, Dude, what, what was Hadron Collider, man? Dude, the Hadron Collider no, is just no, the starting what's, point. What's saying here is it had only one-tenth the beam luminosity of the Large Hadron Collider, but because of its higher energy, it would have produced about half the Higgs events seen at CERN. So let's say fuck that 
part of it because we'll just yeah. it's five times more powerful. That's it. We'll just stick with five times more powerful. Well, uh, well let's or we could even go back to the reason why history has changed is that magic is actually just real and you can talk to the dead and it changed something. But there's an if it's counterfactual history. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Harry uh, Houdini was always debunking people who said they could talk to the dead. Until he found the guy who could. I just said that five minutes ago, motherfuckers. You did? When you're yeah. talking about New Coke? Yeah, before New Coke. Right? <laughs> Literally, he slotted in right before New Coke. So it was like, great idea. No, wait. New Coke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, man. I didn't hear you. You were lost in the... In the, in the I know. In the, just, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of how thing. we create an aristocracy where we can make a comedy of manners out of... I don't want to do a comedy but, of manners set in the 90s. No, no, then what... Well, no, you can if there's a new magical aristocracy of, like, scientists and stuff. No. Okay. So a comedy of manners set in a... I want to make fun of Victorian England because that's the most fun thing to make fun of. I see what you're saying, but isn't Friends a comedy of manners? Yes. Yeah, but I've had to read Jane Eyre too much to not make fun of it. I get what you're saying. What if it had zombies? No. Okay. I don't know. I'm prejudiced against them. Of mice and men and zombies. My pride won't let me. Of mice and men and zombies would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but for real, though, (laughs) let's get back into this comedy of manners. An aristocracy can pop up in 30 years, right? Yeah, but then yeah, but then we're making fun of a made-up aristocracy. Okay, so so what if it is a magical intersection happens, and now people are trying to become – they're trying to learn the protocol of like this magical race that lives through the little little hole – that we can look through. But it turns and, out they're demons. Well, if we're going with Liam's idea, what if, like, telegraphs let you speak to the dead somehow? No. Again, we need an event. We got to remember they all would three in, things. No, yeah, some they, guy would invent that. The problem is that... The, the French Revolution didn't happen because all of the aristocrats found magic. No, no, no. What you're talking about games. are great movie ideas. Yes. <laughs> we're talking about a campaign where you have to have players and a DM. And what you're talking about is just like, okay, now telegraph... This is what I want to say to him. And it's like, DM's like, okay, it says, you know, this, I stop, forgot this, we were making stop. a campaign and not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> All of my ideas have been movie. Even, no, even the new Coke one? Even new Coke, unfortunately. <laughs> Damn, man. That's a winner. Yeah. Okay, campaign. I, I see where you're going. That's why I was like, yeah. this thing happens. Or some, some kind of intersectionalism where it, an event happens and it opens up a portal or whatever. And now there's a new aristocracy for people to emulate. Uh, and they have to so so we're the first humans going through a portal that was created by this this thing, and we are trying to act in a certain way according to their customs, but their customs are just too strange. That could be an RPG, yeah. Or a Harry Houdini. I don't know how they. I don't know how they could be compared. It's like yeah. you could talk to the dead. No, you like, need a bigger. You need well, it's a more bigger than that. Event. Like you discovered that magic is real. Like he found out real magic happens. No, you need a bigger event. You need a like because right, okay. Well, no. Let's let's see. so take us down the road doug if he because the whole thing he, any anybody who said they had magic healing powers anybody who said they could talk to the dead he was always trying to debunk them but then in his travels like no no, no you, you've Wayne, explained you've explained that part i'm saying yeah. take us down 50 years from then okay where's our where's our comedy of manners like what where does that leave us what was our th- it was comedy of okay manners, well if, it, if it's like 50 years later then it's like this is like 1950s so think of like height of 1950s madmen yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Mad Men, except can I, people in power can just learn to use magic. So there's if, like there's a whole class of people that you know. And Rand, like objectivism, actually gave you magical powers. We are so far off from this. Is, we're not talking topics. about campaigns. Yeah, no. All right, I know. I'm thinking I'm, a campaign. I'm, saying, I'm like, saying. I'm saying. No, I mean, the, if people had so that's the world, like, right? So that's the okay, world. What would no. the campaign be in that world? Like okay. what, what? What? What group? A group of people are sent to do a thing in a 1950s Mad Men style world where magic is real because it was Dresden discovered files. in 1950. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Go, we pick up. Go further backwards. Pick an event further back. I'm trying okay. to think. I'm trying to think. Aristocracy, See, right? Well, that's my our comedy of manners. my aristocracy would be the factory owners and stuff who are just now have power and they're putting the world how they want it to be. Okay, where's the adventure? <clears throat> we could be going against them. We could be working for them. Okay. How about this? Magic is a thing, so we don't need to use shipping lanes. America is just literally never discovered because we don't need to. We just teleport to wherever the fuck we need to go. No one, no one invents ships to go anywhere. 
So then you hit the Industrial Revolution and someone's finally like, oh, there's a whole fucking other continent over there. Holy shit. Would you need the Industrial Revolution if magic was real? Eventually, probably, yeah. Because if you're going to have an aristocracy that is controlling magic... Yeah. Would it just turn into the Harry Potter magic sort of world where, you know, they don't have electricity no, and shit? No, they'd probably rule with an iron fist because that was kind of more the mode of the time. Now, I'm thinking uh, – Where, Where's the idea? humor? we got to think about because we're, get, we're getting hung up on, like, the reason why magic exists as opposed to what is the humor, the comedy of errors, you know? No, the, the comedy of errors, I think, is the last thing the, we yeah. discuss. What we need is the counterfactual thing that makes magic exist. Or that magic makes something counterfactual. And, the, and, and then take us down the road from, from that event – until this comedy of manners can happen we need to end up somewhere where there's an adventure that can be had and then it becomes comedic what i was thinking to max's idea which is there's factory owners this this, and that so an emerging technology crushes an industry how about that so it becomes a kind of wild west one aristocracy is replaced by another a little too quickly so there's new money versus old money all right that kind of thing and the players would be trying to start a new business entrepreneurs i like it and they've they've got a product or something or, or some kind of um they're, they're starting like a, the, the first the first magical ferry service we can ferry you anywhere over land over sea to anywhere yeah 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 yeah. you just you ride in this and that's all we're doing you go to places you negotiate you <coughs> take people on your boats people try to rob you with they have magical powers and it's like the wild west with magic powers i like it that could be a comedy comedy of manners. Can we mix in a little sliders? That episode where the all lawyers and had guns? No. Court cases were solved like because no, no, I, I appreciate That's, the sliders back, reference, but no. The business world would be more brutal. So you just go back in time a hundred years, is basically <laughs> Well I'm just saying like the business world would be more brutal with these aristocratic, you know, like And it it would be interesting if there's the old money. Some of them are frantically trying to learn magic, but they're way behind like some bum in the street who found out he had a talent with something and is now has a scholarship a to an age college or whatever. I feel like this would this would make a great like dinner party role playing game <laughs> as opposed to like a traditional tabletop campaign. Yeah, but I I feel like the if if they if they run a magical transport service, your adventure is Sold right, like, yeah, is it, yeah. You know, oh, you know, you know what? Okay, you know what it is. The magical transport service. The campaign isn't just oh, let's just transport. I mean, yeah, it can be transporting people, but the hook to make it like a true adventure is, in order for them to build their own shipping lanes, they have to transport to different areas and like stake the claim to that land. But since it might be through wilderness, they have to like make multiple jumps, cutting through different places. Not entirely sure of where they're going to end up when they jump through the other side. Like, they have a good idea, but they're not 100% sure. And sometimes you jump through the other side and you land on someone else's land. It's just some dude with, like, the equivalent of, like, you know, a redneck with a shotgun. He's like, what are you doing on my property? Except it's the magical version of that. And it's like, oh, be, sir, we're here to buy your land. That would be very funny. And he's just like, who you? You trying to take my land? You trying to take my land? And he, like, raises his, his hand and a giant red hand comes out of the ground, you know. Exactly. Like, I'll take yes. you. Land's yeah. going to take you, sir. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's there will be blood, but funny and with magic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. Yeah. All right, so what's our event? Because now we need the counterfactual. So we've got our setting. What's the event that, that, that caused this? Instead of drilling for oil, they hit mana. <laughs> no, because this is a thing where people now can start doing magic, and yeah. it's like the Wild West. So, so the changing of the guard happens because of some new discovery mm-hmm. that uh, everyone has access to if they, if they look into it. Polio vaccine. Never Two occurs. Reasons. And it turns out having polio makes you magic? No, the polio vaccine gives certain people oh, magic. Oh, okay. That's, oh, all right. that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking something of uh, an interdimensional race is dying of some kind of magic plague that doesn't affect us. And they send an arc through a magical portal and it lands on Earth and it's got all the knowledge of magic. But they die immediately because they can't breathe the air. So now sure. <laughs> we just have all this shit. All and deciphered somebody, from those texts. Right. And somebody, like a, a printing publisher, got it before uh, <laughs> the government did. So now everybody can have remaking it. it. Yeah, everybody can have it. What is it what, what's the humorous situation that that arc showed up in? 
Like when that arc showed up with a with a with a with a ship full of dead creatures from another dimension, what was the humorous situation? That <laughs> the it just World's interrupted? Fair would be pretty funny if you oh, just write in because it's, uh, like, it's like here's all the science. Look at all the science, and it, yeah. they, they come through, and it's wizards and stuff, and they the uh, what if it was dragons, and they all just die? If, yeah, what if, it if was your like, story comes through? I want to remake Newsies in that universe. That'd be cool because like these little kids are just handing out the forbidden knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> extra, extra, <laughs> yeah. get your love spell. Extra unrestricted cosmic power can be yours. <laughs> this one says if you fast for 14 years, but you say these three words, you won't die and you can become a lich. God, imagine a redneck lich. That's that's one of that's on the campaign. That's just one of the encounters. <laughs> yeah, redneck lich. Okay. Y'all's I like, I like trespassing campaign. here. So what like what's its name? Decay will rise again. <laughs> <laughs> the South will rise again. Yeah. As zombies. <laughs> and again, and again, however many times is necessary. He's like a necromancer and he just, all the hounds he's had over the years rise up out of the ground. <laughs> okay, so that's our setting. Let's yeah. let's do what we do with RPG from scratch. Let's break the world apart. So we need rednecks. It's America. Yeah. Yeah. The Wild West has still not so, been completely claimed. So the event that this happened in is not the World's Fair of, like, 1900. It, it's no. earlier? That's Chicago? That was 1846. That's or good. no, 1842. No, that's too... No, it was... 1880, I think, right? It was, it's, it was it's after they, the Civil It's War. how they got the name the Windy City? I thought it was... Possibly. I thought it was in... Like, if only we... I thought it was in memoriam of Columbus's arrival. There was an exposition for that, but the, the great World's Fair we're talking about in Chicago was later, I think. Because there was like the Columbiana Exposition uh, or something. World Exposition of 1851 was in London. 1853 was in New York. Okay, so this is what it says about the Windy City. Because I think this will be, we could call the campaign world the Windy Windy. City. Mm -hmm. The Windy World or... So this is what it says about the name the Windy City. The city of Chicago has been known by many nicknames, but is most widely recognized as the Windy City. The earliest known reference to the Windy City was actually to Green Bay in 1856. The first known repeated effort to label Chicago with this nickname is from 1876 and involves Chicago's rivalry with Cincinnati. The term Windy City came to common usage when it was popularized by New York City editor Charles Dana in The Sun during the bidding for the 1893 Columbian Exposition. Chicago won the exposition, which did not please Dana. The popularity of the nickname has endured long after the Cincinnati rivalry and the Columbian exposition ended. So Columbus expedition, an expedition arrives. I like it. Yeah. Once again, suck it, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, as if that's like your catchphrase. Once again, Ohio, suck it. Well, it's kind of life's catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's – so it's a Columbian exposition. Mm Mm-hmm. An actual expedition arrives. Yeah. Maybe they'll start referring to them as Colombians, even because we don't know what they call themselves. We only know they the all rules died. for magic. Yeah. yeah, they all died. Maybe they had like dragons and like all these crazy magical creatures that just none of them could breathe our air. So if only they had pigs and they wouldn't have gotten our diseases. <laughs> cool. It's uh, maybe call it the Windy World or the Windy, the Windy Land. I don't know. Windy World, I like. Okay. It starts in America. Yes. But – America is a very international – in the 1890s is, is an international – You know, we're, we're pretty we, had, close. we had the World's Fair there. Yeah, we're, we're pretty close with France you know, and, and working our, we're kind of working things out with everyone else. <laughs> you know? So yeah, – Well, yeah, but at that point – So America becomes the Wild West again, right? Or, or it's, it's currently the Wild West. It's currently the Wild – because like most countries didn't even have an ambassador with America right. at that time. They are just like – well, and then, and then, but but it's but it spreads because there's a lot of international dignitaries, yeah. who are there and are able to bring things back with them. So maybe they bring books back with with them that have magical powers that other regions won't have. So based on the kind of magic somebody's doing, you could tell where they're from. You know what country they're from. So Chicago would rise as like the magical the capital Rome. of the world. Yeah. yeah, the magical capital. But you know, what would be interesting is that. Uh, there could be racial stereotypes based on what kind of magic they use, and that's what you'd call them based on, like, ah, goddamn fire flinger. Coming, coming around and trying to be my neighbor. I was thinking <laughs> you, you would go to pick your character and be like, do I want to be Irish, Polish, Italian, yeah. Jewish? And, and it's like, like, what kind of magic do these races have? Yeah. Oh, this sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. You give every <laughs> every race a different kind of magic. Because you'd have Greeks there. You'd have, oh, man, so many different people. And you could learn any of them, but yeah. culturally, they, there's an affinity because of distribution. 
because you're playing on Earth. That's the thing. Like there are yeah. no other races. It's just and human and, races. and I assume it wouldn't be at that very time. So it's it's like what was it, 1876 was the exposition? 1890 something. 18, yeah, 1896. 1896. You could play at the cusp of World War One. Only there's magic. Uh, I think World War One would be very different. I, I mean, obviously. If you just add magic to World War One, it's very different. But you know, like the the causes for World War One, mm-hmm. like maybe you know Franz Ferdinand is shot for a different reason or hit by a fireball. That's how they know it was a Serb. <laughs> 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 or they oh no, or they get really suspicious when it's uh, when they, it turns out there was a secret ice bolt before and then it was covered with a Molotov cocktail. Right. They're like, hmm. damn Frenchies. Yeah, because but you had to bring in a. Uh, you had to bring in a an ethnic Albanian to actually do the magic that would tell you what, what kind, kind of magic, magic it was. was. <laughs> this sounds great. No, yeah. you, you no, I, I'm just imagining the world is like spreading out before me, and I'm like, damn. Yeah, this sounds what this sounds what amazing. country would just not refuse to use magic? Germany. No, no. Oh, come on! With all the like all the industrial uh, changes they made during World War One, all the new technology they came up with. All right, so the Germans are just like no magic here. None. What would you? What, but isn't so, it a tech? So it's magic? like they're they're like the muggles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like and they're like damn mudbloods, and it's like yeah, you go to shake their hand, and it's like some guys like you shake my hand a certain way, you catch fire, and the Germans like I have an answer for that, and like <laughs> shakes your hand, and a gun pops out and he shoots you, and he's like, see, magic is useless. <laughs> awesome. So the Prussians, the yeah, pr- oh, they stay the Prussians, the Austro-Hungarians, all yeah. them, they were just no magic. They just don't. They, they don't find they, it needed. They they're the Prussian it. Empire, and they double down on on, on science and technology. And you see the the destruction of Tsarist Russia. Yeah, when their they, they become hand they, magic. Yes, yeah. So Prussian, the, the, Prussians just become experts of super science. Lenin becomes yes, Doug. Lenin that is like great. Lenin is like the real power is with the people. Magic. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no. Rasputin becomes like their greatest shame. Afraid of that. Rasputin just becomes czar. Because if anyone already had magic, if magic ever no, could possibly saying, be like, real Rasputin, in the real world, Rasputin, Rasputin no, 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 Rasputin is like kicked out because he's everything they stand against. Like they, like they, they have to, act, like they, they kick him out of the country and he has to go somewhere else. He's the one who he's the only. Maybe he he finds out he had real magic, but because he used it to validate the office of the czar, he's in ag- exile. What if the Tsarina, like? Starts making blood sacrifices for her children. Her son, who had um, what so is it? Hemophilia. Hemophilia. So he just becomes like some crazy vampire because of these. Like that's the magic she seeks out is to and, the, and save it's, him. And it spreads from there. So now you've got Russian, Russian vampires. vampires. Yeah, that sounds cool. Czars, Vampi- Russian vampires. vampires. That's are, how Blade One ended. Vampires are almost exclusively Russian for that reason, just because yeah. that's where it started. Imagine are, you, the are, are, we, are we saying so? Like Russian vampires are the new gypsies. No, they'd be like no. they'd be a Zardom. because you would keep all the cool like counts and, like, and everything. Do you guys ever notice the Boy King never ages? Yeah, yeah stuff like that. <laughs> but imagine like a vampire fleet of battleships and stuff, like the Russian Imperial mm. fleet. Not a, not the during the daytime. <laughs> yeah, they can't attack during the day. <laughs> they'd have sunscreen. Oh yeah, that's that's good enough. <laughs> God damn it! Motorcycle helmets. They'd be cool. I hate that shit so much. So this sounds great. I'm into this. <laughs> the, yeah. the more we think about this, the more I actually want to play this. I felt this might We got be a module. Windy World. We could roll out with three full modules, and that would be awesome. So what happens to Chicago? Oh, Chicago becomes the, you know, I think the there would new be a, everything. It would be the new center of the world. Wouldn't there be a, like a civil war, another civil war, if Chicago is rising against Washington? I don't is Chicago? I, I mean, Washington was not the center of America. No, I mean, and also New York is, during that and time. Also, was this still... is after the 1860s. Civil War already happened. That's what I mean. But like he if, said, he said it's another oh, one. Yeah. If Chicago is becoming this, like, no, they would cast off the federal government I mean, at all. Well, it's interesting because maybe New, New York was bigger, but it wasn't like what New York is today. No, I mean the actual government. Like they're rising right. against the government. Well, I'm thinking, what if um a populist movement starts because we're like we we finished the civil war it's over and you know what we got a reward for winning so the the union is was the, right was right here's our reward america's the strongest country in the world but you know what after that civil war there were some people looking at america like they were weak mm-hmm. let's look at them now so maybe they'd think uh spain england you know like can the, you look at the great of, revival the great revival yeah see what time period i think it was that same time period but i'm not sure 
Was it a religious revival? It was like huge religious that would make, revival that would, across the country. Well, that would make sense because then that probably led to prohibition. Yeah. Uh, but you, what if it's that called was... the Second Great Awakening oh, as sorry. well. No, no, it's both. Yeah, because yeah, the Great Revival verbatim is a Chinese TV show. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Second Great Awakening was a Protestant religious revival movement during the early 19th century in the United States. So it's early 19th century. That's way too early for yeah. us. Yeah. So it, it started around 1790. Okay. I was going to say because we could just do that, but with magic. But Yeah, it, it was past its peak by the late 1850s. Oh, okay. Look for Third Great Awakening. <laughs> so, yeah, we could call this the Third Great Awakening because it happens 40 years after. Oh, there would totally be a religious movement directly against it. There would have to be an American. I was say, if you're talking about, like, other than Germany or Prussian people being the only ones who are not down with magic, it would be the Vatican. Oh God, that would be amazing. Yeah, no, Vatican's definitely out, and maybe, and yeah, and maybe, maybe the South is just like we ain't, need, we ain't need no magic. But like new, like so, but there'd be certain sects of. I say, Quakers, I think the South would Quakers want don't the magic. Like magic. Well, well no. I was going to say there'd be certain sects of Abrahamic religions that find certain texts that can be interpreted to reinforce the kind of thing that they're saying. Like, oh, this story is this. That's just their name for this thing, mm-hmm. and they have their own crazy magical powers and. And then there'd also be a magical religion, right? Oh, definitely. People yeah. would just worship these beings. Yeah. Well, Cult, cults would come up from nothing. If you were just really good at magic, you're like, I'm the second coming of God. People would say that all the time. So this can't this can't take place right afterwards. It has no, to be. Let's it's say be ten years after. Ten years after. Now it's it's had enough time to spread out. Now the entrepreneurs can be like, look, casting magic is hard. We can do a thing. That we have multiple people working together to accomplish this this ferrying movement. Well, and I, I imagine it also be a um, a marrying of magic and technology. Like the more the more double down the Prussians were on on technology, the more they they invent really new cool stuff to compete with it. And then yeah. someone's just like magic and this thing. Yeah, and if the Prussians find like they're not going to cast any spells, but magic brings a new resource that they can use technology to implement. To, yeah. So it is like a melding, but it's true. It's it, it's just science. It's strictly technological. Here's just a new resource, and we're figuring out how it works. So the windy world. Now it needs to be a comedy of manners. Yes, your your objective is to become rich, powerful, and get married. <laughs> okay, like it, the it's marriage. To, yeah, the marriage thing to, is good. It's, it's to be a a new world gentleman. Is like it's not and, just and enough. And you are an entrepreneur, so you're new money, and you have to find a way to ingratiate, ingratiate yourself. yourself into old money. Right, and to some get of them capital have, to do more entrepreneurship. And the old money that has magic is so not impressed with you. You oh, are at just, all? No. Yeah, not at all. But you, the, have to, you have to come hat in hand. You know, it's just like I'd like to take your daughter out. You know, it's but like, the old so money. I can tell by your accent, sir. You're part engine. Get off my property. Yeah. <laughs> but the old money that doesn't have magic would be latching onto these entrepreneurs. Oh, would, oh, yeah. so hard. Yeah, because they're afraid they're dying. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah, you, you get like desperate railroad tycoons. Like, like we're useless in, in, in frayed hats. You know, just like coming up to you to be like, listen, pal, I got, I got, I got some. Uh, I'm working on a really big idea now, you know? <laughs> and they, they just have nothing. Yeah, left. that would be because you would get with the railroads, and then just make bridges like railroad trestles and bridges obsolete. Mm-hmm. You just take their trains and levitate them. Yeah, you wouldn't even shape them like trains. You'd be like, everybody hop on but the board. But I mean, board. They, they would have <laughs> they would have all oh, these no, trains no. left over. This, no, get no, on no. my magic carpet. In, in in my thought of this, they're just steamboats with that just make portals. Maybe I don't I, know. I don't know why, but they have to be giant and, Mississippi-style like steam, steamboats. And when you go through the portal, it's like the cave portion of Willy Wonka's yes. chocolate factory. There's a, there's a <laughs> maybe that's why there's a conductor on every boat. <laughs> yeah, like, no, and they're and, and just, like apparently uh, we could make it where like going through the eddies of of just yeah. dimensional travel is super hard. So you oh, need yeah. a captain. I was just gonna but say I mean, that like, the the reason why not more people do it is because if it is like the Willy Wonka scene, just Using magic is super fucking scary to anyone who's not intimately familiar with it. So this could be them be like, no, no, no. We're, look, we're gonna we're gonna take the fear out of traveling. You know, like we're gonna make it calm. But but you can't really because it's so horrifying. What if the only magic you start out with is the ability to do this for people? So the members of your party are all were all independently before this just gondoliers. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so you're gondoliers, and you're like, if we work together, we could make a whole industry. 
Like it's not just the horse and carriage in the park. We're actually doing this, and you you guys are the only ones special enough. But you need to forge you, to do it. But you, so you, you have, have to, to forge pretend. your own waypoints that you own. You have to own your ports of call. You have to own your own waypoints. Right. So it'd be interesting if the comedy of manners is your group having to pretend to be different people than they are, pretending to come from better backgrounds, just so that you can ingratiate yourself to the the political and legal gatekeepers. That would keep you from from doing this, and have others lie yeah. on your own behalf. And you're like, okay, yeah. this is my port. This is where I'm finding a wife. Yeah, you'd say, okay, Bob, your name now <laughs> is, <laughs> is this is but, Chester B. Arthur. We're gonna we're gonna drill you again. Where did you grow up? Who's your family? What part of the uh, uh what what part of the Hollywood Hills? You know, like where where did you come from? They can't teleport. They'll never find out. Yeah. So by the time they figure out who you really are, we, we'll already be richer than them. So, so let's do it. And when, it's like a when long Bob, con, but you're actually legit. <laughs> but when Bob cracks under the pressure, it's, uh, well, uh, the jig is up. Opens a portal, escapes. <laughs> <laughs> just, portal bomb. He just drops through. <laughs> <laughs> you get to a room and you're like, where, where the hell the, where'd the oil magnate go? And you're like, I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, Where did you send him? Where did you send him, Bob? He's like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, that's it, man. That's it. Windy that's world. The windy world. Now, okay. Now let's go one one last step. Who would you play in this? Of the gondoliers, who's doing this? What's your, what's your guys' story? You get you get a moment to think about. Uh, it. I would be Shane McAllister, child of Irish immigrants who who came over bef- before the happening in Chicago. And yeah, uh, gets magical powers and now is destined, he feels, to uh, to become more than the lower cra- class brat that he, uh, he was born to be. I would also have an Irish guy who worked on the Transcontinental Railroad and sees the potential for the surplus railroad that is now obsolete. I would be an ex-riverboat captain from Virginia who's used to going up and down uh, the Mississippi. But once the happening thing happened, it was probably when he was, like, just starting as a captain. Like, he was probably, like, 20 years old and 25. And uh, now that he's older, he he jumped into the magic part right away. But the problem with him is that he is only used to traveling illegally through other people's waypoints, like, as a smuggler. Like, he's never had to make his own waypoint. It's always just like, all right, well, they're not using that one, so I'm going to hop through that one. Like, he, so he knows where other people have their, their plotted out trails and stuff but and he's and he's just snuck through those for his own personal business whether it's smuggling or transporting people well then i guess i would i would play a character who used to be a member of a family aristocracy but then defected or, or went awol during the civil war so he couldn't return to his family so he's the one who knows like the ins and outs of the actual aristocratic conversations and uh he's since been working as a gondolier after joining and defecting from also the circus nice. oh sweet Anytime you throw the circus in, everything gets better. <laughs> so, well, unless it's uh, something wicked this way comes. Shit, imagine P.T. Barnum with this shit. That'd be awesome. That's the I greatest show on magic. <laughs> That'd be scary if elephants learn magic and then they just... They Not really. They don't everywhere. They don't reproduce fast enough for me to be afraid of them. What if that was the magic thing? They oh, damn it. Topsy walks out and Edison just goes... Lightning blast, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it breaks against yeah. a magical shield, and Topsy says, "Not today." <laughs> it's so a destiny. Elephants for just become the Krogan of Earth. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> to Max's point, it's like, yeah, that's the, that's our new Sisyphus myth. Yeah, and then <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt becomes like the guy who's going to be oh, let's weed them all out. <laughs> he, he becomes, becomes like the hunter. No, he becomes he becomes part bear, so he he could he could transform. <laughs> He could transform into a were bear, so he's he is he's the, a, he's the, the original Ted, he's the original teddy bear <laughs> himself, and then he rides elephants as cavalry because they're so plentiful now. And when he gets shot during his speech, he gets up to finish it, just like as in reality. Bear. But he's like he's like, hey, you know what? It's only a bullet, and transforms. He goes, I think I could bear it. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience goes right to bare arms and he rips off his sleeve and he's got two bare arms yeah exactly the right to arm bears <laughs> is an actual book <laughs> alright guys I think, I yeah, think that's, that's it. it the windy the windy, the windy world. world so nailed it that's 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 our uh setting it's a rough start but man we hit we hit it out of the park so if you guys if you guys want to use that setting at any point in time please feel free and let us know how it went yeah <laughs> tell us how it went please All right, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night. Rock on. And roll some dice for us. Party on, Wayne.
Party on Garth. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Bad Storytellers, now presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream us from Google Play. I've been your host, Josh LaForge, and I'd like to thank my writing group again, Doug Banks, Liam Malone, and Max Wessel. Now remember, as listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow to find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming. Visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Bad Storytellers on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.